0: impact, income, and influence. It's the three things that are most important to entrepreneurs today, and that's what this podcast is all about. If you're a coach, consultant, author, blogger, YouTuber, creator, or entrepreneur who believes what they do can change the world, this podcast is dedicated to you. I'm Steve Warner, and welcome to Impact, Income, and Influence. What is going on everyone? Welcome to Grow Your Impact Income and Influence, the number one show for monetization and entrepreneurship on the internet. I'm your host, Steve Warner, and tonight I have some really interesting people. They are a couple who lives in Mexico. They help emerging entrepreneurs grow their business, but it wasn't always that way. They actually used to pastor a Lutheran church in the Midwest. David and Dana Hangstrom, welcome to the show. How are you doing tonight?
1: Great. fantastic <laughs> thanks for having us Steve
0: you're welcome um so I met you guys I met Dana uh, about two months ago at a JV event that we were doing we ended up jumping on the phone and just talking about things that they were doing they really have a heart for emerging entrepreneurs and they have a complete system that takes you from an idea all the way through to having a successful business that makes money because you have to have a business that makes money. Otherwise it's not a business,
1: but it's really interesting.
0: It is right. Um, it's interesting to me how you guys got there. So you weren't always doing this. Take me all the way back to the beginning and where did this idea come from? And just take us on the journey because moving from the Midwest to Mexico, going from Christian faith to an entrepreneur, like there's a lot in there. So take us back to the beginning. How did all this start?
2: Okay. If I think back, first of all, I was a pastor for about 35 years and Dana was a paralegal. and Part of what happened in that is that uh, I ended up using my, my skills for strategic planning and coaching staff members were a big part of what I did. And we were in a church that averaged over a thousand people per Sunday. And then they they changed their staff, model and said, hey, we don't need you anymore. And I ended up in a small rural congregation where Dana and I just didn't fit at all. And we stayed there for about four years or five years and still felt like a fish out of water. And I was a bit frustrated and checking our pension funds and thinking, okay, when can we retire? And I came to Dana one night and said, you know, we're going to have to work another six or eight years here if we want to uh, to retire the way we planned, or we could just retire now and move to Mexico. And I was half kidding.
1: <laughs> he was half kidding, but I didn't realize it. <laughs> I knew exactly how frustrated he had been. And for him to be crunching retirement numbers, I knew something was up. And I couldn't imagine another six or eight years. I I just couldn't. The congregation was struggling. They needed a different style of pastor. You know, David had, you you know, all these gifts for strategic planning, and he was the only staff. So he, you know, it just wasn't the perfect fit but we knew God had us there for a reason, for a season, and that was fine. And when he said Mexico, I'm like, well, let's do it. So um, you guys all know the end of the story, we're here, but there was a lot that went between that. Lots of prayer, you know, making sure it was God's plan for us. And And part
2: of the backstory was that we had a lot of uh, Hispanic friends in uh, the US that we just loved. And some of them came from this area of Mexico. And so we had reason to check it out. We love their, their culture. And um, the climate here is amazing. We don't have heating or air conditioning in our home. We, it's, it's just that moderate. It's, it's, a, it's an amazing place to be. So before we left, we started blogging. And we blogged about retirement and about learning Spanish.
0: (laughs) Nice. Now, was that mostly you, David, or Dana, or both of you? How'd that go? It was mostly me.
1: Yep. You learned the skills and then you had me write because that's my sweet spot. Yeah. So you would give me you know, the stuff to research and then I would actually do the writing. You would do the editing, the posting, and all the technical stuff that I really didn't want to do.
2: And you were doing some network marketing, and we had both had online stores a number of years earlier.
1: Right. So we'd always kind of been dabbling, you know, in the online marketing space. So we we knew it was a great place to be, but alongside a busy, hectic, you know, church, you know, and I'm being a pastor's wife. That was that was a whole other job on top of my paralegal job and being a mom and everything.
2: So 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 we ended up retiring moving here and then you know the, the next day you sort of look at each other and say okay now what
0: <laughs> okay and
2: you know it's fun to to, to you know uh, go around and see what there is to be seen but after a while you start thinking well we've still got gifts to give and we're still motivated and interested in doing something, what are we gonna do?
0: So what did that, how did that conversation go? Did, did Dana just sit down and say like, what are we gonna do? And you said, let's help entrepreneurs. Cause I can't imagine <laughs> the, like, yeah, let's just do it.
2: No, uh, to get from here to here, we sort of, you know, went. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's always the path. All over.
1: Yes, it, it was lots of bunny trails. And we've met a lot of people. We've worked with a lot of coaches. We've taken a lot of courses, and
2: we've done affiliate marketing. We've done network marketing, and really, what we learned through it is that we could learn the skills, and it was great to do so. But my sweet spot was still uh, coaching people, mm-hmm. and that's and and that together with strategic planning which led to developing the course that we did.
1: Exactly. And when our course, or when our course, when our coach told us, you guys are ready, that's when it was like, okay, we got to stop doing all this learning or I'll set that aside, it's time to do. And it was like the mama bird pushing, you know, the babies out of the nest. It's time guys, you're ready.
0: So how long, I want to ask how long it took from the day you arrived in Mexico till that day where like you kind of got pushed out of the nest. Short, long?
1: Uh, Six, eight months.
0: Okay, that's a pretty quick curve. I hear of a lot of entrepreneurs who it takes like years, right? So it took you a short time because you had coaches and because you were learning.
1: Mm -hmm. Exactly, and we had those transferable skills that we were able to tap into.
0: Yeah. And was, we
1: had time. Yeah, you know, we're retired. Yeah. So there was that a, was a huge, <laughs> huge sorry. Sorry. That was a huge difference. I think, you know, some people are starting to to grow their business alongside a full-time job still. And we'd done that. So if you want to count all those years as part of our education, then it was actually, you know, eight, 10 years.
0: Got it
2: there was a, a learning curve. There were certainly things that, that we needed to pick up. But at the same time, there were a lot more transferable skills from our extended careers than we realized at the beginning.
0: Gotcha. That's, I mean, I think that that's kind of what happens for all coaches and consultants. Like they have the idea. And then as they start working, like all of these other skills come out. I mean, there's a reason that you like coaching, right? There's a reason mm-hmm. You might not have thought about that going into it, but it definitely shows itself in that you like to help people. You like to see people be successful and you know how to break that down into an easy to follow process, right? Exactly. So I want to talk a little bit. I think a lot of people are probably kind of interested in, I know I was interested when I heard your story of going from being a pastor to being an entrepreneur. There's got to be some interesting corollaries between that. Like you, I mean, we just talked about coaching and how you want to see people be successful, but just in the fact of normally a church is all about growth. Like you have to be, you have to grow the church. You have to serve people, but in that you have to do it in a way that's not always easy, right? Like it's not, it's not always feel good, dance around the campfire. Like you actually have to help people and get them sometimes you have to break their false beliefs. You have to instill new belief patterns. You have to get them to move in the direction that sometimes they don't wanna move, which I think is kind of similar to entrepreneurship. Can you talk to that point a little bit?
2: Well, one piece of it, I, a couple of the years of ministry that Dana and I really enjoyed was when we were working with um, people in recovery. And we worked in people with people in recovery from alcohol, from drugs, from what else? Well, abuse. Abuse. You know,
1: any kind of addiction, whether it's like pornography, you know. Um,
2: but abused women was part yeah. of it. That was yeah, the that... ones that you related to. Exactly. And um, talking about having to break down false beliefs and build a person up again and help them learn new skills and habits, uh, that's what recovery ministry was all about. And so that that applied in a way. Um, Another aspect of it is when you talk about growth in marketing, you're talking about learning what people's felt needs are, what they think they need. also, maybe knowing what they really need in order to make the change they want, mm-hmm. and um, how to present that in a way that's attractive to people, so that they they want to be involved, and that was true in the church, just as much as it is in uh, marketing products and services on the internet.
0: That's so. That's where I'm going with this. Like, it's the same skill set just used slightly differently, right? I mean, it's a different outcome. So talk to me a little bit about people that you work with, because we just talked about the people that you worked with in ministry. So now talk to me about the the emerging entrepreneurs and the people that you you work with, because they're not addicts, right? They're just people who need to run a business to build their business. So what similarities do you see? And how do you actually help the people that you work with?
2: Well, they come with needs. They come with frustrations. Um, often, they come with this sense of, "I can't let anybody else know how I'm struggling, or they wouldn't want to do business with me." So, uh, so we have to help them with their mindset, and uh, as well as developing their skill set.
0: Let's yeah. let's. I would love to hear a little bit about the mindset piece, because I think, I mean, you touched on something huge. So many people have this imposter syndrome, where they don't feel good enough to do whatever the their area of expertise is. Well, at the same time, they fake so much of what they're doing, because heaven forbid, somebody see that I'm not making, you know, multiple six figures or whatever, right? So how do you how do you How do you deal with that in a client? Because I can, I know there, that's one of the things that I've heard for the last six years. You know, if people knew that I didn't have a ton of money in the bank, or if people didn't know like how I want to fake what I'm doing, just I always tell people just be real because they only want somebody that's a step or two ahead of them. They don't need somebody that's the rocket scientist. But people have such a hard time hearing that. So I'd love to hear your take on that and how you help people break through those. Those challenges?
1: Well, that is a huge one. And it's one that, you know, you can really, it can really, you know, keep you stuck. But like you said, we all have something that we're good at. And so what I like to do is help people figure out what that gold mine is that's inside them, and then build on it. Because not everybody has that same gift. That's, that's one way we can do it, is, is get them confident in that one thing that they're really, really good at and, and learn how to market that. When you start to feel like you're an imposter, it's because you're comparing yourself to other people. And so we need to yeah, kind of put the blinders on for a little bit, because everybody has that, that something to give and somebody is looking for that because they don't have it. And it's special. Like, for instance, I love to write and it comes very easy to me. But then David, you know, he's a beautiful writer, but it, he struggles to get something on the paper. So I can do something in 10 minutes that will take him maybe, well, not 10 hours, but, you know, significantly more. Exactly. So for him, he's looking at me going, how does she do it? So those are the things we try to help our clients find out what is it that people are, how does she do that? And then help them, you know, expand on that and build on that.
2: And, you know, the the learning curve to uh, become a real expert in something. Uh, you, you, you learn a certain amount and you're pretty darn good. And you know more than, you know, 80% of the people out there. But to get into that top 3% or something, the people you tend to compare yourself with, uh, takes years of work and, and is not gonna happen right away. So part of the, part of the um, process is simply helping people know or learn how much they've already learned and how much they have to share. And like you said, they really only need to be a few steps ahead of the people that they're they're guiding. As long as they know where they're headed um, and are continuing to grow themselves, they're gonna do just fine.
0: That's I would agree a hundred percent. I think that's that's one of the things that I work with a lot of a lot of the people that come to me, even though they're already successful, they're v- we're very hard on ourselves and just teaching people that they can have a little bit of grace with themselves and like. People aren't buying because you're the guru on top of the mountain. People are buying because they know like and trust you, which a lot of times just comes through being authentic and honestly being closer to their level. Because everybody might think they if you if you were t- taking basketball lessons, would you want to go learn from Michael Jordan? You would never even be able to step on the same court, right? Like the dude would school you all over the place. I mean, it would be cool to say you took a lesson from, him, but you're probably not gonna learn much. Right. Right. And the same thing. I feel is true with entrepreneurship. So I want to shift the conversation just a little bit because we've talked about coaching and we talked about like your role in ministry. And a lot of times it's just about encouraging people and showing people that they can do something while at the same time giving them a framework and a structure to work inside of. Would you guys agree with that? Exactly, definitely.
2: Yeah. So I'd love-
0: I'd love to hear a little bit about your system and your framework uh, that you take people through, because a lot of people out there would say that you need to really niche down. You can teach sales or you can teach webinars or you can teach challenges. You can teach something. You guys teach kind of a one size, not a one size fits all. You kind of teach a complete process. That's where I was going with that of you, We can take you at this beginning when you have an idea, and we can show you how to grow that idea, how to grow a course, or something you can sell around that idea, and how to market it, which I think is really special and unique. So do you mind sharing your framework with us?
2: I would love to. Um, You know, As we were getting started with this, we had a feeling like we could help people with almost any aspect of marketing, but we really didn't know exactly what to work on when. And then one day the, the picture came into focus for us. And when it did for us, then of course, we had that same feeling like we could really help people um, get to that place themselves. And we, we, got to, we realized that we could ask people a, a series of questions and discern where they were on the process and what they needed to work on now. One of the things that we uh, encounter most frequently is people that are just overwhelmed with all the different skills they need to learn and all the different things that they could be doing and just don't know where to focus their time and effort. And so we segmented it all down into three stages. That is, um, testing the foundation of their their business, uh, building what we call their pipeline for profit, and then releasing the flow of leads and cash. And what we discovered is a lot of people start trying to work on uh, getting leads and uh, bringing in cash flow when they really don't have the structure of the building in place yet. And so we've got what we refer to as your pathway to profit. It's got 12 steps divided into those three stages. And we help people, first of all, in terms of their foundation. We wanted to know first what is their, their vision for their business. Um, and maybe help them set some goals of some or milestones along the way to get there because you don't get there overnight, but it's nice if you can at least feel like you're progressing and getting somewhere. So we try to get some milestones along the way that where they can see their progress and then help them think about what do they need to learn and how do they need to develop as a person to be able to uh, lead this business. Well, then we go on to ask, what's your problem? And by that we mean, what is the problem, the unique problem that you can solve for someone else uh, for which they're gonna be willing and happy to, to pay you in return? And then we ask, who is your ideal client? You know, and where do you find those people that want the solution to that particular problem? And then we talk about uh, how do you make money doing this and developing a business model that makes sense. And when we have those four pieces in place, now we've got, and, and we uh, do a lot of training on each aspect of that. You know, it's, it, come, it sounds a lot simpler that maybe than it is, but then we move on to the second stage and start building the... The, what we call your pipeline for profit, dealing with things like lead magnets and autoresponders and email marketing and- um, Funnels
1: and all of those
2: things. Yeah, exactly.
0: Well, I think one and, of, one of the things that you're pointing out is you need the foundation first. I mean, so many people, I think the reason that they fail in the digital marketing game is they jump into, well, I need an email autoresponder. What am I writing emails on? I don't know. This sucks. It's really hard. Oh, let me go over here. I need a lead magnet. Well, I don't know what to make. So I'll just throw something out there. This stuff doesn't work. Why am I spending $300 a month on a funnel builder, an autoresponder and all like, I don't have my stuff. And then they, they just get frustrated and throw the whole thing in and entrepreneurship sucks. It doesn't work. And
1: exactly that's, exactly. I think,
0: that's what you, so you start with the foundation, which makes a lot of sense. Once they have the foundation, you start to give them the tools that they need because they have the foundation. Okay, you know what your core message is. Let's create a 12 step email sequence that goes here. Let's build a funnel that goes here. You know what your lead magnet is. That's what I hear you saying. Does exactly,
2: that yeah, exactly. Very good. And, and then when we get those things in place so that you're, they're attracting people into this pipeline, and moving them along stage by stage, at some point they have to convert them to uh, customers or clients. And what we think of that is, um, we call it a decision-making uh, event, you know? Mm-hmm. And it, it could be uh, an email, it could be a telephone conversation, a webinar, and a challenge. There's so many things you can use but you have to have some way of getting people to make a decision and buying your product.
1: And a lot of that will based on, on what they're selling or who their audience is. You know, webinars work great for some business models, but not for others. Mm-hmm. You know, challenges work great for some businesses, but not for others. So, you know, you can also spend a lot of time testing those different deciding events, realizing well, I
0: you know, think this that's, isn't working. I think that's where having a coach comes in because you guys have seen what works for certain businesses and what doesn't and you can recommend it instead of, I mean, I've, we've all seen the entrepreneur who tries to do all of them. Well, I'm going to hold a challenge this week and next week I'm going to do a webinar and next week I'm going to just like spend a bunch of money on Facebook ads and I'm going to be on YouTube. I'm like, no wonder nothing works. You're trying eight different things. You're one person. And, and one of the reasons we can help at that
2: is that we've tried them all. <laughs> our our own process was not uh, not a, not a straight and easy one. We we tried so many different things and, and we we've just, you know discovered which ones work for what, and we learned why they didn't work for us at, at different points along the way.
0: Well that's good. It's easy so- to
1: see that in other people.
0: So once you start doing that, what's the third step of the process? So now you have all the different pieces plugged in. You have a funnel, you have a challenge, you have an email autoresponder. That's coming along. What's the third segment look like? The
2: third segment is what we call releasing the flow of leads and cash. And that is if you've got all this good stuff out there, you've got to have some way to get people to see it. And one of the first ways that people often use is social media and some have used it very effectively and there's different types of social media you know you do it one way on facebook a completely different way on instagram or linkedin or youtube but any of those can be used as ways of getting free eyeballs on your offer Mm -hmm. and um we also talk about, at this point, about uh, part- partnerships. Are Can you find other people that have people in a, a similar market that uh, would feed into yours that you can work together with so that you're not in this alone? Mm-hmm. And that's another way to begin to get some traffic, some people to look at what you have to offer. We talk about um, building up your content online and putting out good quality material that gives people value so that they are interested and they see your expertise. And at this point, uh, YouTube is a great way of doing that. A blog is a great way of doing that. A podcast is a great way of doing that. any of these things where you can be putting out valuable content and building your authority in other people's eyes. And then if people get to the 11th step of our path, and the fact, the reason I say is if, is because a lot of people um, find that free traffic is working for them and they don't need paid traffic. But step 11, we get to paid traffic and then the final step, we're going back through everything and tightening up all the uh, leaky joints and, and making, making it, it work um, or optimizing the process so that it gives you the most profit that you can.
1: Yeah, look at ways to scale.
0: Very nice. The I mean, I love that you saved paid traffic till the end because one of the biggest mistakes I see people make is they start, they look at most people, I think in this game, look at their credit cards and they're like, okay, I've got $20,000. I'm gonna run paid traffic because paid traffic solves everything. If I just had leads, I would be able to be successful. Well, then they don't, either they try to do it themselves, which almost never works because there's a huge learning curve to it, or they hire somebody at $3,000 a month plus $1,000 in ad spend. That means you've got, if you've got 20K, you've got four months of runway. The problem is that you're probably not going to convert any of those leads. So now you have an email list with 800 people on it, but you still don't know what you're selling because your foundation wasn't solid. You don't know how to sell people because you didn't grow organically and actually have some sales conversations. You also didn't build a webinar, so you don't know what stories to use or where things go. And again, now you're $20,000 in debt and entrepreneurship, doesn't work and you're sad and miserable. And so you guys, I like the fact that you save paid traffic all the way to the end. What I'd like to ask you, because you have this very good process, what is the number one mistake you see most entrepreneurs make somewhere along the journey? What's something that you hear a lot? And what's one thing that you want to call out as a mistake or something to avoid?
2: yeah. What we find is that a lot of people are doing things in the wrong order. That's probably the biggest thing, um, or they get overwhelmed and not knowing what to focus on, they just do whatever is in front of them.
1: The shiny object syndrome, where you know you see somebody out there is oh, you know, making something sound really good. I think that. That has been a huge mistake we've seen, you know, where people come in and they're like, well, I've bought this and this and this. And I look at what they've, their foundation, and I'm like, hmm, you know, I'm sorry you spent that money. You don't need that yet.
0: Yet. Yeah. (laughs) And yet.
2: Yeah. A lot of the gurus out there are really excited and enthusiastic about what's working for them right now. Yeah. And I would, caution the people that we work with and say that's what's working for them right now in the stage their business is in right but your business isn't in that stage and that's probably not where you need to focus now
0: (laughs) there you go (laughs) i like that um So tell me a little bit, if people are listening to this and they are interested in where they can go to learn more, do you have some free resources? What what can people do to get in touch with you?
2: The easiest thing is simply going to our website, davidanddana.com.
1: Davidandana.com. Yep. And there there is a free resource right on the cover page. That is our... Um, solution framework that will help them make a uh, super attractive and effective and converting lead magnet. Yeah. And it will also get them, you know, access to us. Our contact information is there. And
2: and if then, if they go into the, the blog itself, there is a wealth of information in the blog. They can look up almost any aspect marketing topic, of marketing. Yeah of online marketing and find articles that will help them.
0: Awesome. Well, David, Dana, it has been great to have you on. Your story is really amazing. It's super interesting to me. Um, I know that there will be people out there who definitely benefit from it. Um, I think you really have a heart for helping people. And I think you can definitely hold people's hands. I love that they start with the foundation before they move into the other stuff, because that is so, so important.
2: Thank you so much, Steve. It's been absolutely delightful having this conversation with you.
0: Yes. Awesome. Well, to everybody else, make sure you go and check out davidanddana.com. Grab their resource, get a lead magnet that converts, have a conversation with them because they will support you, they will encourage you and they'll be your best friend and show you what will work in your business. Till next time, take action, change lives and make money we'll see you soon. Nothing has the ability to grow your business more than a powerful one-to-many sales presentation. If you're looking to scale your business, get your message out to more people and close more sales in an easy and straightforward manner, head over to death and grab your free course today. Thanks for tuning into the show and we'll see you next time.